0: Welcome to episode 120 of the Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and this week I am joined by Owen Wickham as we are recording this episode live from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We're going to talk about Oppenheimer, we're going to talk about Secret Invasion, and we're going to talk about The Bear Season 2. And we're going to do it from outside of a pub, so um, please excuse the traffic noise. I think it's pretty minimal, like you'll hear it, but the, the, the conversation's very clear. Um, if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast, heading over to Instagram, giving at The Endless Cast to follow, and if you want to suggest something for us to watch or offer a different opinion, you can do that through the Instagram or sending us an email at theendlesscast at gmail.com. All that being said, let's get into the episode. Okay, uh, so we are... What, we're day three on the Edinburgh Fringe in Scotland. Day three on the Edinburgh Fringe. uh, We're a little late with the Endless Stream podcast because uh, I flew to Scotland and the boys are very busy. But we're not going to miss many episodes, we're going to try and keep it going with what we have available to us. um, Which is to say, the bag of cats. Um, So we're in Scotland doing a Fringe show for the month. And I'm joined by Owen Wickham, filmmaker and comedian extraordinaire.
1: Yes, mostly an improviser. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: you know, let's not pick me up too much. Is there a what's the distinction between an improv comic and a comedian? How do we Um I thrive on the support of other people. Ah, okay. Okay. All yes.
1: Right. I'm uh, you know I can only I can only be funny when there's other people to be funny against. Well, okay. that's actually not true. I think I can be funny on my own too, but I feel more comfortable being funny in a group. So that's that's why I, I prefer improv. But you you are an improviser, Aiden, and mm-hmm. you you say you prefer stand-up.
0: I really do like stand-up. Um, I love improv.
1: That's uh, just a... A commercial food waste collection service there. Uh, we're 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 currently recording outside of the pub that we're performing
0: in. Outside of the Kildurkin on Ro- what street is this? The okay. Royal Mile. We're at the
1: end of the Royal Mile. Yeah. Um. You, if you're listening to this from Edinburgh, come along to our show. Uh, we've done two shows so far, and they've been great, Aidan haven't they?
0: They're only getting
1: better. They're only getting better. First night was good. Second night was
0: excellent. Yeah, audiences were leaving with the sore faces from the laughter. Yes, he literally said that to us. Yeah.
1: Um, so you know, maybe we're maybe we're funny, are we?
0: I think we're pretty good. Yeah. I think we're pretty good. We just need to um, keep going and just build and build and build. Before we know it, we'll uh, we'll be doing great. I saw. Um, I saw. Wow. There was a little exchange. Wow, that is a truck. Um, There was a little exchange on Twitter between Darrow Brian and a person running a show here called Georgie Greer, I think her name was. She had one person show up to her first performance and she went on Twitter and sort of said, you know, is this what it's going to be? She was just having like a little moment of doubt. It's like everybody does when they come to this thing. Like the the Edinburgh Fringe is famously a uh, a bit of an ordeal or a trial by fire. Um, And somebody said, don't worry, your audience will double every night. And Darrow Brian commented, if it does that, she'll have one million seven hundred she just did the maths that like doubling over thirty days is uh, is unsustainable. Darrow Brien loves a math.
1: Yeah. And then she sold out the second night She did. Very good. Yes. Good for her. Good 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 for her. Uh, well we've we've had a steady a steady flow of uh, of punters, enough so that there is an audience which uh, and that, that people walk away going, I saw a show and I enjoyed it. So anyway, this is my first time on the Endless Stream podcast, Aidan. Yep. So uh, tell me what it's about.
0: So the Endless Stream is generally myself, Kevin and Brian, three artists, illustrators, filmmakers and all-around shit talkers. And we just look at movies and TV shows and, and nerd stuff that we love. And when last we uh, released an episode, because there has been a gap now, um, we said we were going to watch The Mission the Jeremy Irons, uh, Robert De Niro, Roland Joffé directed film from like 1985. It's kind of a classic, but it was a blind spot for us. We'd never seen it, mm-hmm. and I have since seen it. And Brian has seen it, and Kevin, I think, watched it. But we haven't had a chance to get together to talk about it. Have you seen it? Not recently. No. Would no. you have? Did you see it ever? I, I think so,
1: but I would not be able to talk about it. Okay. I'm gonna be gonna be honest there.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't expect you to. I'm kind of just giving you a little bit of like the roundup of the last mm-hmm. time, and just on the off chance that you went, oh my god, I love that film. Um, but my takeaway was, oh my god, that film's great, um, and the score is amazing. Who,
1: who's in the mission again?
0: Uh, Jeremy Irons is playing a, a Jesuit priest trying to build a mission in yes. South America, and the uh, the representatives of the Pope are trying to shut the mission down to appease the. Spanish and Portuguese royalties so they don't go to war and so they don't go to war on the church and um, so they don't dissolve the Jesuit order. Uh, Robert De Niro is a a slave trader and a mercenary who uh, has a crisis of faith basically and converts to help support the mission and um, there's a a sort of battle for the souls of the people within that. I think there's, like, I'll have a longer discussion with the boys but I think the, um, the Best line in it is from the representative of the Pope the, or of the of the Vatican. He looks at the native people of this area in South America and just says, "I can't help but wonder if they'd been happier if we'd never shown up." And it's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the point of it."
1: Yeah. Um, Speaking of um, doing things that fuck up the world, mm. uh, we've both seen Oppenheimer.
0: Yes, that is what we uh, sat down. With an agreement to talk about, I went yeah. to see Oppenheimer yesterday in IMAX here in Edinburgh, a nice little cinema uh, just off the way. Um, what 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 did you think of Oppenheimer? Are you a Nolan fan? I am a Nolan fan. Uh,
1: I actually, I actually did not a thesis, but my, uh, so I studied I studied English and media studies in in college, and when. Um, when Inception came out, uh, I absolutely loved it so much uh, that I, there's a free show about start, just, um, so, <laughs> <It's
0: okay. laughs> you're,
1: you're fine, don't worry about We're it. We're going to be plugging our good? free fringe show starting in here in two hours. <laughs>
0: no worries, no worries.
1: And. Um, Anyway, this, that, that's the beauty of doing a, a podcast outside, eh? We're doing it live. And we're doing it uh, <laughs> live in, in, uh, straight from the bowels of Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. <laughs> the anyway, uh, Inception. So, I loved it. I, I, watch, I, I watched it to death. Yeah. I watched it so much that I started to see the many, many, many problems that are in it. Inception. Inception. Okay. Uh, having said that, I still loved it. I can't remember what exactly my essay was about. Right. But uh, because it's it's about 12, 13 years ago now that
0: I did that. 13 years ago, I think. Is it that long ago for Inception?
1: I think it was like 2010, was it? 2009, so what's 2010?
0: So he had? He's had Tenet and Dunkirk since then.
1: Tenet, Dunkirk, uh, Batman, the other... But when was the last Batman? By the Dark Knight? Oh, it was before Inception. yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, I'm bad on time no, and stuff. That's fine. Like, it's uh, tough to I have not seen Tenet. Okay. I have not seen. Um, uh, what what what's what's the one in space?
0: Inter- oh, Interstellar. 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 I love tennis. Well, interesting,
1: because I've I've been meaning to watch it, but um, my friend uh, uh, my friend Alexis uh, hates it with a passion. Interesting. Is he, Alexis is a sound guy or? No, a photogra- he's he's an an editor.
0: Okay, he did some film filming stuff for us. He I did think. he did some photography for okay. us. Yeah.
1: for our uh, our our in scene in her
0: and theater Herd show. Yeah, theater show. Um, yeah, Nolan gets shit for the fact that his stuff is is not really concerned with the humane, the the actual emotional states of people, um, and I guess he likes big ideas and immersive experiences. And I do see that in some stuff as well, where he's like he's really shorthanding through like time periods and, and scenes of people's relationships developing just to get the, the building blocks of what he sees as the broader story across. And I don't know, some people hate that, and I'm like, I don't want every filmmaker to do that, but I'm okay with him doing it. I-
1: Have you seen Following?
0: No, is that his first? That was his
1: first, first one? Yeah. And... He made it like for next to no money. It was the first film he did, and he made it basically on the weekends with friends. Uh, and I have to say, that is—I think—that's an incredible movie.
0: Okay.
1: I haven't watched it in quite a long time. I would like to watch it again. But there was a period. Obviously, I am a, a, a film nerd, so uh, there was a time when I was kind of—I would have. I w- there was a time when I would have said Christopher Nolan was one of my favorite filmmakers mm-hmm. I suppose as I've kind of matured my taste has matured also yeah. and I, I I think I don't think that I think Christopher Nolan is great but I don't think he's the best filmmaker out there yeah. but to talk about Oppenheimer I thought I thought it was a fantastic fantastic film
0: yeah um so I'm going to read for you um I'm going to read for you Brian's review. He sent me just a little message through. And we can use this as a sort of bouncing off thing Mm -hmm. for criticism. Because I'll go into what I loved about it, and I can go into what I loved about it. Um, Let me just pull it up. Um, Okay. The first 45 minutes is like Batman Begins, if Batman Begins was about a physicist. Then it's another 45 minutes before anything resembling dramatic or narrative tension makes an appearance. Then there's a full hour left, all about who was behind the hearings... Like it's a murder mystery, but who fucking cares at that point? Then the end is typical Nolan, Nolan montage of a piece of dialogue playing out over a scene we've seen previously, but now with new context. Interminably dull. Um, do you know, I
1: actually think that's a, 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 a fair critique of it. Yep. Um, and I think that. It's I think a fair no,
0: breakdown of the moments yeah. of the film. It's just whether or not the reaction he's having to them are. Subjective well, or objective.
1: I think there's the thing with Nolan. You either, you either really like his movies or you don't like his movies. And I think people if if uh, i I get the impression that the way he's talking about it, he does not like
0: Nolan. No, he I think he is mostly disconnected. He enjoyed the Batmans, but I think he even talks about like he'll look at Dark Knight Rises and, and start talking about like like that wall looks like cardboard. That gun is bouncing. Like how are they getting away with this bullshit? But he's very got a very acute observational mm-hmm. um, powers. Um, so I watched I
1: watched Oppenheimer in uh, the RFI in Dublin in seventy mil. Um, I don't know if it's worth it to be honest. Also, I did say that I was sitting in the second row and I don't know if you know the IFI, but when you're sitting in the, sitting in the yeah. second row, you're practically looking at the ceiling. And so it wasn't the most comfortable experience. And they need to do something about all the flies.
0: Oh. So what you you had a fly buzzing in front of the light of the projector it was uh, there, there the was light? a
1: fly buzzing all over the the it was definitely it was on the screen. And it would just move around and, and like, it would would look like a piece of dirt Mm. on somebody's face. And because it was, you know, the fly would be massive. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it took took away from it. Um,
0: So, like, I don't think that, like, maybe I'm wrong here, but, like, we know that J. Robert Oppenheimer uh, was involved in the Manhattan Project and creating the nuclear bombs, the atom bombs that they dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and we know that he became known as the grandfather or the father of the, atomic, the bomb. Father, atomic bomb. Like, this isn't a movie that has spoilers. This is a movie that is an immersive, like, the music, the scale yeah. of the imagery, the in-camera effects that Nolan was pursuing. This is an experience type of thing. So I'm happy enough talking about every step of this film. I, I Sometimes people are like, oh, it's a spoiler. It's like, what spoiler? Fucking yeah. Oppenheimer dropped
1: Oppenheimer the bomb? was a person. Yeah. I'm... Uh,
0: um, I, I, I,
1: I liked how he t- told the story. Mm. I do like how he told the story. I thought the way... Um, well, okay. I'll talk about what I liked about it. Okay. One of the, the big things that I liked about it was the acting. I thought the acting was fantastic. I thought the dialogue was fantastic. Yeah. I think I think Nolan is a very good at writing dialogue. Um, he's a very real, uh, visually stunning... Uh, and and just uh, 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 as a as a complete product, mm. it uh, it is uh, amazing filmmaking. I think uh, I love the music. The the
0: the, the music was brilliant. You was mean, that the Zimmer sound. again, or was that somebody else? I don't I don't know. He's can, worked with Zimmer so much. I, can we just double check yes. it? Yes. Because I just I I. I have this vague feeling that, like, did he change for this, or did he work with his boys? Why would he change? What are you doing that's better than that? Um, Ludwig Göransson. Ludwig
1: Göransson. Well, Ludwig Göransson. Well done. Yeah.
0: You. you that's did, why I had a vague notion it wasn't him this time. Yeah,
1: you did a really good score. Yeah.
0: Um, uh,
1: cinematography was wonderful. Uh, I loved. I mean, there is a. Obviously, Nolan is a. Uh, he he insists on shooting on film, and um, this film was shot on uh, IMAX film.
0: He doesn't do the video village thing either. He does like all in like eyepiece. He just looks through the lens, and what he shoots is what he gets. And he goes to rushes, I guess. Yeah.
1: Um, Which is interesting. Yeah, I suppose he did it takes. Probably takes less takes with that. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, just commit to what you got. Yeah, and keep moving. Uh, I, I I thought especially the uh, like the black and white stuff in it. Um, you know, you can tell it's shot in film and black and white. Like you can tell the the the, the that wolf. You know, this looks. And I thought they they did a really good job of of, of, um, showing us the different time periods, like the different things are happening at different periods of time without telling us, you know. It's kind of a a bit of a pet peeve of mine in films when it's constantly uh, telling us and not. Showing us stuff.
0: Yes. I, I love, um, there's things in there. Like, we know that the, the first hearing in the small room is one period of time. We know the black and white stuff is one period of time. We know him with the longer hair. We know him when he puts on the hat. They make a whole deal of, like, be yourself but more. And when mm-hmm. he finds that, like, image that became his kind of look, that became this um, public figure that he presented. And, like, he's mm-hmm. basically like, um, like a Brian Cox character at the end of the day. Isn't he? <laughs> Just pushing sides. <science. laughs> If Brian Cox played keyboards and blew you mean, up Japan. You mean
1: you mean like a, you mean Succession? You mean no, Roy or No, I
0: mean the um the pups physicist. Oh, Brian right. Cox, yeah, yeah, okay. I was getting confused there for uh, a second. Yeah, Carl Sagan yes. Carl Sagan
1: yeah. um I think they do a really good job of making a a, a very flawed character likable. Mm. Um you know, I like He, he. It's kind of a terrible thing that he did.
0: Yeah. He, like. So here's something that just occurred to me. Like this was a, a shower thought this morning because we talked about the idea that like there's a couple of nu- scene, nude scenes in it, sex scenes, love scenes with Florence Pugh. Yeah. And his uh, his Playboy status, his womanizer thing was a part of his life. I think that maybe I was again in trying to justify. The Florence Pugh stuff, it's like, if you can show me the, the relationship with Jean Tatler, I think her name was, if you can prove to me that, that, like, that was the nature of their relationship, it was heated, intermittent sexual encounters that, like, were that important to his life, maybe that justifies it, but there is when he gets found out, when, when Jean dies, and his wife is talking to him about it, and he's having this little breakdown moment she says to him You don't get to commit the sin and have us feel sorry for you. Mm. And that's about the bomb, right? That's nothing to do with the wife. Like, that's about... You don't get to blow up Japan and have us feel sorry for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that moment as well when, towards the end, where he goes through that whole trial and she turns around and says, do you think... Did you think if you went through this the world would forgive you?
1: yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there is, I think the, the whole kind of that last hour or so of it is him trying to find redemption in a way mm-hmm. for, you know, like there is, it, 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 there's a really good character arc there in the, in the story. Like there's a, the, in the film, mm-hmm. there's a really good character arc of him being this ambitious, um, Physicist who is actually is 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 really bad at that practical stuff, yeah. and, and and is only good at theory. Uh, and you know, you feel you feel kind of sorry for him at the start, and then as he kind of becomes this more this leader of the, and and really advocating for the importance of the atomic bomb, yeah. and then once the war is over advocating for it still. World War Two ends and he's still going, we still need to make the bomb.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, even that's, though... Yeah, that's,
0: it's, it's once Hitler's dead. Yeah. People are like, we don't need to do this anymore. And he's like, we do, we've come this far. That's
1: a powerful scene, I think, yeah.
0: that one. That
1: scene where he stands up and he's pitching to them, it's, we still need to do this. There's still a war. We're, yeah. uh, you know... And, 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 that, that is the point, I suppose, where you're mm-hmm. like, <sighs> okay, he was kind of for the greater good now, and now it kind of just seems like, I need this mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Tiff, for well, that's, myself. That's
0: what's, that is really interesting about, um, I'm saying it's really interesting, I don't know if it's really interesting, this is where I start sitting on a fence like a weirdo. Um, Why did he want to do this? Was it just about getting the visions out of his head? At what point was it more about him than it wasn't? The people we're supposed to dislike are the people who have him on a sort of trial, and they're yelling him at one point, at what point did your strong moral objections come into play? Is it only when your work was... like? At at what point... Like, you knew all along that this was a bomb that was going to... Like, at what point do your strong... What's the balance here? Where is the good and bad in this human being who is... um, has strong moral convictions but cheats on every person he's ever with. Has strong moral convictions but also creates a bomb that kills thousands. Has strong moral convictions but is fucking around with Strauss a little bit. Like.
1: Yeah. It was an interesting. Uh, I saw I saw a tweet recently. I don't know who it was from, but there was a, a tweet or what. Are they still called tweets now? Or are they. They're exes. They're exes. just little kisses? I saw somebody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw a South African person saying that that, that X is pronounced.
1: Okay, anyway, back to back what to I was, to, was saying. You Twitter, a tweet, an ex, I saw an ex, uh, a, a little kiss, um, saying about... Uh, somebody Somebody was saying that, oh, they when they... Te- obviously, they did the test of the atomic bomb in, in New Mexico. And uh, Cheers, they they, uh, they did the test of, of it in New Mexico. And... Somebody tweeted that out of so many people who were in that area, was born around that time, yep.
0: and a lot of people got leukemia. Yep. Uh, they drove people off that land who lived there. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I think Brian mentioned in an episode a few weeks back where he was sort of starting to like disconnect from Nolan, disconnect from the concept of even glorifying this man that they they stole the land from native peoples in the nineteen forties. And and at that point he was like they don't address it and they very slightly do it is an aside but he goes you know well, what we'll have to do is push the they do say we'll have to push the Indians back forty miles and yeah. then there's a point where he goes give it back to the Indians yeah and, well, uh, and, 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 and the government's like nah
1: I suppose there
0: is there is a question
1: there is like are are is is it glorifying him is this movie glorifying
0: Oppenheimer this this is I don't think it's glorifying him if you actually sit down after it and think... I came out of the movie going it glorified him and then I started thinking about it and I'm like, and it y- 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 and You it, know, y- marketing is, though.
1: You ask questions. If if you watch the movie and you come out of the movie... I mean, I'm not coming out of the movie going, God, that Oppenheimer was a really great guy mm. who was misunderstood and, you know, just wanted to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think that after watching it. Right. Uh... Mm-hmm. You know, I think he was a very flawed... I think it's an interesting... Ca- I, I love stories about flawed people. Mm. They're the best stories, you know? Yeah. And he's a very flawed person. And I suppose it does glorify him in a way that, okay, he felt guilt for what he did, you know? And... um, But does that absolve him of it?
0: No, it doesn't. Yeah, there's no, like, it's... Oh, well, we're going to get a siren coming by now. Um, in the same way yeah it, it's in the same way as knowing it's wrong to cheat on your wife but doing it anyway yeah like one thing I've noticed about
1: Edinburgh and I don't know if I, I've uh, it, maybe Scotland and that the sirens here are very loud very loud yeah like I think louder than they are in, in Dublin
0: uh, it's a busy town yeah it's a busy town and it's They a gotta, very busy town got to get you moving um I was, like, I was watching this movie as well. Like, well, well what did you make of Danny Jr.'s performance? I
1: thought he was great.
0: Yeah? Did you not? I, I did. There were moments where I was watching it, and I guess it's just the cast, the character that was written for him played to his strengths as well in terms of how he got to be big. Yeah. You know? He gets to be, like, he has these small moments where he's academic. But he also gets this character who is, oh, that's the point I have to get. Rami Malek is in this movie in three places, and he has no dialogue in two out of those scenes. And you're like, What the fuck is this guy yeah, in this movie for? It's, yeah, I know. And then, then <laughs> eventually he becomes this. This white knight. Uh, yeah. This this thing just pops up, and it's like, Oh, that's why he's here to be yeah. this guy. He's still doing his thing. <laughs> he's like, Whatever the way his head works, it's very. Can, can we talk
1: about a. Uh, uh, Killian uh, Murphy's
0: performance We can, yeah I also think we need to talk about um, Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt as well Who were great as well Excellent um, Emily Blunt is so good Florence Pugh
1: is a fantastic actress as well I think Florence Pugh
0: is She just
1: inhabits a role so well But um, back to Killian Murphy Sure uh, Local boy I, I think that I. I think this is the best performance I've seen from him
0: I, I think the thing there is that this is this is him getting his moment to shine mm-hmm. everybody has like Peaky Blinders has been that for him on television he, six years of that there's talk of a movie it's done basically but um, like when you think of his career through um, Disco Pigs um, uh, 28 Days Later Batman uh, The Red Eye where he was the psychopath and then that relationship with Nolan and Nolan has now just grown him into this position where he gets to front and centre. He's in such made a him way. a
1: leading man, and because he wasn't a leading man, and Kaley Murphy wasn't a leading man. Peaky blinders
0: allows it, it, Nolan yeah, to that's make him a leading man yeah. as well. Yeah, that's know. very true.
1: That's it's the it's the nature of TV now
0: that that you know, but it kind of puts him in that like not so much, not so much leading man. You know, it's not like he's going to be a, a like a, in a when you think of leading man? You think of romantic leads and heroes and stuff. But he's he's in that McConaughey Oscar rotate. You remember the McConnaissance when there was yeah. like four films in a row where you're like, this guy's gonna win an Oscar for all. It's like you could put you could put Murphy in anything going forward.
1: Uh, do you know what one thing I've seen uh, they talked about on the internet? Uh, do you know that they're, that they're their HBO are doing a new uh, Harry Potter yep. series? So there's a lot of talk online that Killian Murphy should play Voldemort. I would hate him to
0: do that. I can see it. <laughs> I don't think he would. Unless he just wants a paycheck for the rest of his life. Because that show's going to run for... Eight, nine years? Yeah. That's a deck. It's going to have the bus clear. That, like, if they do the full HBO thing on that ten episodes a season for eight years... String that out over long production runs, it's going to take 12 15 to f- make and release. Um, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of, I don't think Voldemort does I don't think appear, uh, though, Killian Murphy is about the money so no. much. Uh,
1: so maybe he won't do it. I think, I think if he did, he'd do a fantastic job with it. I think he I th- He has like Killian Murphy has a really interesting face,
0: yeah. He's it's, got, I mean, in yeah he's, he's done good stuff with it. <laughs> he's, he's done good stuff with an interesting tool set yeah he, uh, that,
1: that, that's that's the thing with actors I think like either you're either really 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 handsome or beautiful or you have a really interesting face yeah uh, like you know obviously Willem Dafoe mm. um John um, Steve Buscemi not mm. John Buscemi, Steve Buscemi uh, John Terturo as well actually has a really interesting face Yeah. Uh, they just have these, you know, faces also that you see in real life and you can you know, you look at them, just interesting people mm. uh, but um, yeah, Killian Murphy, he looks, he kind of looks like a villain
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. He does have a like um yeah, he's got an intimidating it's the, glare it's at It's
1: the gauntness, you know? Mm. Yeah, um, he kind
0: of looks through you a bit. hmm
1: So, yeah, it, it, I mean, I thought it was, I really enjoyed it, and I would go see it again. Like, um, and I kind of, you know, I, w- I knew we were doing this, and I kind of was like, God, I wish I'd gone with you yesterday to see yeah. it again so I could kind of really delve into it, and I, I, I do think it is a thing with Nolan movies that they do deserve a rewatch. and I did that with uh, Inception so much, I watched it over and over and over again, loved it the first time, loved it the second time, loved it the third time, fourth time, was going, ah, now I'm kind of seeing yeah. some shit that's like
0: eh. Do you remember the stuff about um, Nolan's brother got involved in, like, International fraud and was on the run from the CIA. This is Jonathan Nolan? Is uh, it or is his
1: other Jonathan
0: Nolan it's who was the other brother. Because I think
1: Jonathan Nolan wrote Inception.
0: So yeah, yeah. And he wrote a lot of the, the Batman. Yeah. Um, no, he's got an, I think it's a I think it's a brother. I gotta uh, I'll double check this, but um like we were talking about this in relation to like DiCaprio's character as a guy who cannot return to the United States is kind of the, the brother. <laughs> um I, Brian, is I don't know how he'd like to be described, but but sometimes I talk to people who have have sort of hit a wall with seeing versions of films or stories or filmmaking techniques over and over again. You're like, this is boring. I've seen this, and I'm kind of of the idea that like there is absolutely a breakthrough ideas and new things that happen. But the majority of stuff is repetition. And if you can take the same ingredients and make it to a crazy high standard and make it engrossing, like, for me that works. And I I liked this movie a lot. I went in knowing a chunk about Oppenheimer so I knew what it was going to see. Like, you're not going to... Like, I'm going to learn a bit about his relationship a bit, but like... I, I did laugh at things like the sweeping vistas riding through the woods with his wife, or his wife finding him asleep under a rock, and it's like, I don't think that fucking happened for a oh, moment. A lot of, uh, he was uh, sitting in an office somewhere being the,
1: the, Also, the the Einstein stuff, like, I mean, how do we know that, that he actually said that to no. Einstein at the end?
0: That, uh, that idea that, like, the car drives away and Einstein walks out <laughs> of the darkness like <laughs> Batman <laughs> to give him a
1: pep talk? <laughs> I, I, I loved the little Einstein cameos. Though. Yeah. I, actually, I loved them. It I was great. I was like, it was like, oh, you know. The, 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 because I found it really interesting as well because Einstein is, is almost, to me, like a... Um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to believe that he actually existed. Einstein. Yeah.
0: I like to think that, like, like I want to watch two movies side by side. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, And the uh, Tim Robbins, Meg Ryan, Walter Matthau romantic comedy IQ, where Tim Robbins falls in love with Einstein's niece, and they drive around the countryside with Einstein going wahoo, (laughs) driving fast on the back of a motorcycle. You ever see it? No. No? It's great. (laughs) Well, uh,
1: Anyway. Anyway. That's a fucking classic. Uh, yeah, okay. I must, I must put it on the list. <laughs> do uh, you not love nineties rom-coms? I, 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 I know we're kind of got off topic, yeah. but we're talking about filmmaking generally. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, obviously, this this podcast is called the End of the Stream. I I would love to talk a little bit about the bear. Oh wow!
0: I just showed him the poster. Yeah, for that, IQ. that's the
1: poster for IQ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so um, he's a he's a mechanic, and I'm trying to remember who her actual fiance is. But he's a dick who's like superior because of his intelligence, and Einstein and the the number one physicists of this college, like four of them, like they they um they uh, they Cyrano him and they just start feeding him like physics things so that he can impress the the niece. It's it's great. I love it a bit. Okay, I need um, to need to watch that. So, basically, Oppenheimer. Th- thumbs up, thumbs down? For me, thumbs up, definitely. Are you still a Nolan fan? Uh, uh, yes. I, I, I,
1: you know, I think he does what he does well.
0: But uh, just before we get on to the bear, because I'm happy to talk about the bear. Yeah. Um, uh, the criticism of Nolan is the dialogue gets lost, and it's all about fucking explosions and car chases and music. This was just talking. This was lost heads on screen talking. I heard every word and I saw all the faces. So he's, you know, that's a move in a new direction, right?
1: Well, I mean, I think, I, I, like I've said, I, I thought the dialogue in this movie was excellent. I thought mm-hmm. it was great, yeah. and I thought the performances were incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say like Killian, Mur- like I, I actually do From think I do think that Killian Murphy deserves an Oscar for this movie. Okay. Uh,
0: I think the guy's done amazing work since about 1996. Yeah, and if not this, he's on the path to it. Mm. Yes. Um. So the bear. So the bear. Oh, the bear. So you, you've obviously you've just watched season two. I've just finished season two of the bear. I, I watched season two and then I rewatched season one. Okay. Um, I loved it. I I think. Um, I think the finale of season two is a little um, it's a little weaker than I would like it to be because the finale of season one was so amazing you could have closed out season one and never made another episode of it and I would have felt like these people are on their way the arc has been set I've learned their stories they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be alright yeah Um, season two definitely feels like they know they're getting season three so they're starting to hang threads for it Um, I would have loved if they'd closed an arc closed the loop but, um. I, I I I get that.
1: Uh, I thought as um, just oh, the characters in this, and and the the attention to detail of you know that world, the the being in that world, like it just feels so fucking real. Like it just feels so real. I talked about we were talking about that the 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 flashback episode, the episode where the the family have yeah, the family, the, dinner the, the, the Christmas, the family yeah. Christmas dinner, and it's kind of it's it's set as like it's the, the opening sequence of it and everything. It's called the Brazados. It's it's it is a it's a it's an. It's kind of a bottle episode, like. Yeah. Um. But I, we, were, I was talking about this with you that I just think that the filmmaking in this is so fucking brave, yeah. And like, there's, there, I, I, you know, I was saying that I was saying this to you about that that there's this, there's this, there's a scene in that um episode where. Everybody's talking over one another. Everybody's talking over one another. I don't know how you non-stop. do that as an actor, you know. Like. And and it it it's just like that's that's so real. It's so real because people fucking do that all the time. People talk over each other all the time. And it got really, really fucking intense. Really intense. I watched it with my wife. We were sitting down watching it together, and she turned to me when it was a few minutes into that scene, going. I need this to stop, mm. and then it did. A couple of moments later, but I really respect that. Um, what's the Jeremy Store? Is that his name?
0: Christopher Store.
1: Christopher Store. Christopher Store. Sorry, I'm I'm gassy. Sorry, uh, Christopher Store. Like in that episode, that that the, the, I I just think it was. Incredible filmmaking to to go to to, he, I, the, it's real respect for the audience to go. Yeah. Okay, I I'm I'm gonna push it here. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna really make th- you want to want this to stop. Yeah. What um, I think
0: is interesting as well is like the the one of the lovely things that streaming has done is given filmmakers or people making these episodes. Permission to just fuck around with the runtime. Yeah. Right? That episode that you're talking about, the Berzados or whatever, the, is that the episode name? Um, it's 45 to 50 minutes long. It's like 20 minutes longer than the average episode. Yeah. In season one, the f- penultimate episode, review. Is the most intense one where they get order after order after order and they can't keep up. And Carmi is losing his mind and he's yelling at Sydney. And Sydney accidentally stabs Richie in the ass and she quits and she walks out. And the guy's making the donut and he's like, Why are you fucking with me? Why are you fucking me? And he throws it out of the hand. And just as everything is just gone, when he sort of crouches down and tastes the donut and has this moment of like, It's fucking perfect. Um, and it ends. Because I just re watched it. 20 minutes, that whole episode is 20 minutes long, it's 10 minutes shorter than the average episode, yeah. because that's about as much as we could take of how intense they went with it mm-hmm. and it's just, I love that streaming has given filmmakers and television permission to do that
1: Yeah, that is a great thing um, we, we, we talked a little bit about the last episode of, of uh, before we go on to the last episode I want to talk a little bit about Richie um, and okay. Oh, his arc in this season was just so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, That episode where he starts working in the best restaurant in the world and starts to really come into himself. Mm. And, you know, just the character development is just so fucking fantastic you find out and it's trickled out along you find out more and more bit by bit why they are this way you know and uh, I just think it's 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 done really well And, and I'll actually like I kind of I would nearly compare it to the way that we kind of do improv in a sense that like our form of improv is that kind of thing the way that we develop characters is trickling little things in into it and then um you know so by the end you you, you learn something more you about learn him. something more and about the characters you know
0: Richie is this amazing thing because you hate him mm. so much mm. in season one you hate him and then you just start to see you know him telling the story to Mikey and with Carmi there and then it cuts to him in season one on that date where he's telling the same story to the woman and he's trying to be like. And then we were in this bar at four in the morning, and it's Bill Murray, and she's like, "Uh huh, I know, I know." Who he is. And she just doesn't, she just doesn't get it. And he's like, "This is this is such a great thing in my life." And all she could hear was, "You're in a bar at four in the morning." And He's like, he just is shamed by his own existence, and and doesn't know how to grow into something else. And the frustration he sees as the world evolves around him, and him having to change is you end up loving him. By the time you get to that episode where he starts to understand what Carmi gets out of the service industry, out of cooking, out of making something for somebody and, and working as a team and keeping your shit in order so that you can help other people, I guess it's the thing. You yeah. know, it's... Um, it's so satisfying to see the growth in it. and to yeah. see to see him doing I, I i can't remember the language of it but there's a word for like calling um, the orders as they come and he does that in season 1 it's a fucking nightmare and in season 2 by the time he's willing sydney looks at him and goes yeah go for it like she's accepting his change yeah, he's no, willing to all, humbly also, I, I, serve.
1: Lo- I love that little the the, 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 the where when uh, Garmy gets locked in the fridge mm. and he just goes, okay, we're doing it. And he turns the table around and just, it's... And, and the, the, the filmmaking there, I think, just find it incredible. On also, uh, another thing about this series, it, but the fucking editing, man, is, mm. inc- like, the editing in this show is incredible. Some of the shots... Mm there was one there's there was one shot like a, um i can't remember which episode it was but it, it, it was Carmi outside and it just is a little like it, it, it's a really really fast track into him and it's just a continuous shot yeah. and you, you know i noticed those things yeah. and and there I love there is some it. stuff
0: in season 2 where i'm like i i I am now deeply in love with the Chicago skyline. Um, but, like, somebody somebody started, somebody worked on um, Boston Legal or something. The way they were doing these shots of the windows and cuts and editing that together. I was like, oh, this isn't great. There's some ropey stuff where they were trying mm. things. There's some stuff where it's like, it, this isn't the same guy that cut the city stuff together in season one. They were, like, the rotational shot past the L train, like we needed like half of it, but we see it three times across the season. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment where Richie puts on the suit in that episode where they basically give us like a men in black crash zoom for like, let's put it on the last suit you're ever gonna wear. Like he gets to like Will Smith moment, which is a little like, it's funny, but it's kind of out of tone for the show, you know? But the show's so good, I forgive it all And of that, it's so know?
1: funny, too, this yeah. show. Like, it's so funny. It's the so Taylor um...
0: Swift stuff in that same episode where he, like, he's talking to the daughter. And he's like, I do like Taylor Swift. I was just, you know, a little tired today. And then when he's finally happy in himself, he's driving through the streets at night, banging Taylor Swift. But that sounded wrong. Uh, but, like, he's just <laughs> blasting Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift in the car. Sorry. He said that didn't sound any better. <laughs> He's playing the music of Taylor Swift joyously as he drives through the city of Chicago. Yeah.
1: Um... Sorry, I got a leg spasm. Oh. Was it good for you? (laughs) No. No? (laughs) It's very uncomfortable. Oh. Do you
0: want to stand up and walk around?
1: Uh, yeah, that's... I suppose I can. Roving reporter. Yeah, roving reporter. I just need to shake it out a bit. Um... Okay. I am very much looking forward to the next...
0: Season. E- season. Yeah. Uh, I would like them to wrap it up. I, I don't... Like, as much as you want things to go on forever, I'm also just like, can we just... Like, let's, let's just close things out.
1: Oh, yeah. Should we talk about something bad? What well, was bad? Uh, Secret Invasion on Disney+. Oh, Plus. buddy,
0: you are, you are hitting all my talking points. Secret <laughs> Invasion <laughs> is the worst thing that Marvel has done since uh Electra. And even then, you kind of blame Fox for that or whoever the hell made that, really. It's no good, guys. Come uh, on. It is truly, truly,
1: truly awful.
0: Why are you wasting everyone's and, time? Uh You didn't even watch the whole thing, did you? I did, but oh, you did. I, okay. I, I dropped off it after two episodes and had to wait till it was all out to watch it. And I was just like, I don't fucking care when they yeah. shot Amelia Clark I was happy
1: <laughs> I I know so was I I we talked about this uh, I was like oh good she's gone uh, as much I mean I'm sure Amelia Clark is a lovely person yep I'm sure she's a, a very 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 nice lady yep. I, I do not think she's a very good actress I'm going to be oh, honest uh, certainly in this she was not good uh, and and and, and, it's and interesting, to be honest there are there
0: are performers who maybe it's a case of when you meet them in a period Piece, it's very hard to see them in contemporary situations, and it's a little like, uh, what would you call it, um, stereotyping, or what's the word I'm looking for? We're, we're a, a typecasting. Typecasting. Um, I, any time I see her, just jeans and a shirt walking around, it's like, I mean, I'm, I know that's how she exists as a human in the modern world, but it just feels wrong. Yeah. Like in the same way that you're like, people have interesting faces. She has a face for a period movie. She does. Yeah. Um, but nobody's performance in this
1: movie was, in, in, sorry, series was good. Not like it, 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 the dialogue didn't allow it to be. Yeah, the we scripts are about so it, the wrong. Script, it's it, it's almost like it was written by AI. Yeah. And it, there there's one there was one particular line in this that just got me, and I was like, oh. I actually, yeah, I actually, I actually think I had to rewind to 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 did see I actually he, hear he actually that? Did you actually hear him say that? And it was, he, uh, it was Nick Fury getting fired, and he was like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> Colonel Rhodes, Colonel Rhodes, going, "It's uh, it, Nick, you're out, you're out, Nick." And he's like, "I'm Nick Fury. When I'm out, I'm still in."
0: <laughs> yeah. It, honest to God the, it's so weird the way that like this was supposed to be the Nick Fury show that showed us what a badass he is and like the Declan Shalvey run of comics Declan who's been a guest on on um, The Endless Stream he's comic book artist comic writer did a run of Nick Fury comics Irish fella lovely guy um, he wrote an amazing arc for this fucking super spy this John Wick of fucking super spies and somehow this show manages to undermine the validity of Nick Fury as Talos goes You were just some paper pusher at a desk until I got involved with you, and like it's it's sort of kind of presented Fury momentarily as this straw man held up by an association with the extraterrestrials. That like, what reputation does he really have? Yeah. Other than you know he met Miss Captain Marvel first, and Olivia Colman's. Fucking bad. Oh, there
1: was a w- no, another scene in
0: this. that She's bad. She's doing her thing, but the script's fucking terrible. No, no.
1: no like you can't, you can't blame the actors for this. Like no. it, 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 it's the writing and the directing yeah. were terrible. Yeah. Um, like there was one scene. There was a driving scene. Now, I, I generally, I hate driving scenes in in anything most no. of the time because it's never realistic. It very rarely did they make it realistic. Uh. You know, people don't look at each other as much as they do in movies. I understand why they do it, yeah. but it, it jars for me. It yeah. takes me out of it. But there was one scene in 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 um, Secret Invasion where Olivia Colman is driving a car and she's driving the car on a road and she's constantly...
0: Moving, Swinging her arms left to her right. Her
1: hands left to right, left to right, left to right the whole time. For
0: the listener, Owen is moving I, I, his arms I, I, left and right. I'm and balance moving, the microphone.
1: Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, what are you... If you were actually doing that, yeah.
0: you're, you you're would be swerving yeah.
1: all over the road. Yeah. Like, what the
0: Either fuck? that or you need to go in and get your alignment checked because you got a lot of play in the steering wheel.
1: <laughs> I watched that scene and I was like, has nobody... Has nobody involved in this ever driven a car? I
0: do wonder if you could get an edit of like cars swerving down a street and just intersperse it with like moments of her going <laughs> and then a car doing this. That would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> um, Let's see if we can dig out some footage. But uh, it's
1: it's uh, like I just was like I was watching that scene. Is like I don't think Olivia Colman can drive. <laughs> Because nobody drives
0: like this. <laughs> they a number. But Julia Louis Dreyfus is the same sort of like badass, uh, uh, mysterious, uh, uh, kind of matriarchal head of an espionage agency. And she just swans into scenes with a kind of smirky superiority that doesn't quite work. And I don't know if that's me being sexist because did Nick Fury do exactly the same thing and I completely bought it? Or did we just have a, a history of Nick Fury from the comic books that I understood and expected to see it? But I don't know who the, the Countess is and I don't know who Olivia Colman's character is. So I'm kind of just like, who are these people and why are they doing nonsense things?
1: And the, the the resolution of the entire series is just ridiculous as well. So there's they they the, 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 the I can't even remember what they're called. The what scrolls, are, the, the scrolls. Yeah, yeah. the scrolls <laughs> oh are stealing God. DNA from other from superheroes to give themselves special powers. Yeah, and uh, for some reason, uh, Nick Fury has. <laughs> in a on, on his own headstone in somewhere in Scandinavia
0: this was written by a 14 year old like, that saw a spy movie in, once
1: somewhere in Scandinavia he has a, a a graveyard in a graveyard there's a headstone with his own grave and out of it pops out a little a little tube thing that is captain marvel's dna
0: that will, but it's not even Captain Marvel's DNA, it's a cocktail of everyone's DNA, Ugh. apparently. Which is like, what? What even did they call it? They call they, it something. They, they, I, they might have called it the cocktail, I can't even oh, remember. But they might have called it the cocktail, I don't know what it was. It
1: was ridiculous. And then at the end, they're all they, 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 there's this big fight sequence between uh Emilia Clark and Gravick Gravick, uh, uh, who is actually he was in the Barbie movie, good actor, yeah, but um. He, 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 they, they, they just, they just start their arms start changing into Hulk so arms, the, and like in the and comics, it's oh my god, it's so ridiculous. It's just, it's yeah. just there's oh so basically these two people are now the most powerful superheroes ever. Yeah, in, it, in the, the comics, no the, sense.
0: The, so in the comics, the the Fantastic Four fight an alien race called the Skrulls. They're one of the first sort of alien villains that the Fantastic Four fight. And they lose to the Fantastic Four. So the Fantastic Four devise... Sorry, the Skrulls devise a way of defeating the Fantastic Four by emulating their powers and sending the Super Skrull after them. And he's got their powers. He can turn invisible, put forth fields, stretch, and hit things with rocks. Fun idea. Four four powers, super villain. I'd watch a Fantastic Four movie with a Super Skrull villain... um, Rather than Galactus, which is, I think they're going. Why does everything have to be a global fucking scale issue every fucking time? Um, the solution or the implementation of the Superscroll concept in the Super Invasion took every single stupid fucking superpower you could possibly give Amelia Clark. Like Captain Marvel is held up as the most powerful being in the Marvel Universe. Repeatedly. Her and Wanda. Um, so she has her powers, and she has uh, Ebony Maw and uh, Cull Obsidian, though, all of their powers. She's got Groot, she's got gravity. she's got, um, not but Gravi- she's got Dave Bautista's uh, Drax.
1: Drax. Yeah, she just comes out, we talked about this, with the Drax arm, and, and the Drax arm comes out with the tattoos on and it. it.
0: Yeah, because tattoos are genetic. <laughs> um, I... I'm at this point where as much as the streaming boom has created great stuff, it's also given uh, people that are just not ready to be making stuff at that level room to do it. Now, could I do it better? I'll always say no, but I'm also not being given permission to do it. Yeah, I, 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 I really, really, really hope that this show gets cancelled. And It's done, that's it, there's no more to it. It is. That's that's it. There's no good season two. It was dog shit, (sighs) terrible. And
1: and they need they need to write it out from. They need to uh, obliterate this from canon as well. Like it makes no sense in the Marvel
0: universe. At the end of um, I'm trying to remember them all. At the end of the Winter Soldier. That's the one where Shield has been completely fundamentally compromised, and Nick Fury runs away, and they they, everyone thought he was dead by the end of it, and there's the gravestone. And so him having this scene in Secret Invasion where he's like, oh, this gravestone? I got these all over the place. Yeah. It's like, <clears throat> Do you why are well, everything we went so far to set up?
1: His explanation for why uh, he did not get it. Like it was, oh, why don't get you, uh, what was it his wife in it? Why don't you get so all your I friends find, uh, down to help with this? No. And he's just like, oh, I don't want to bother with them with this. This like is a human problem. No, we have to solve things human. ourselves sometimes. It's like, Fuck off! No, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? You need a better justification for it. It's like it's like in this Star Wars movie in um, you know in uh, it's not in the the Force Awakens the the is it the Force Awakens anyway? Menace,
0: the midi uh, No, no? Okay. it's it's
1: it's it's the new. Okay, it's the the, the last trilogy uh, where
0: um the keep eating that thing. Just because I know people wear it up here, so
1: you know, you know, you know the the Stormtrooper character, uh, Finn. Finn. Yeah. His justification for doing thing, d- doing stuff—it's like it's just the right thing to do. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. Nobody does shit just because it's the Especially right. Especially if thing they've to been raised brainwashed like, into a character it without any context make, it for right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh you know, this the, the this series is just filled with
0: plot holes and bullshit. It's just And undermining the world and the universe that they've set up because the writer doesn't know enough, doesn't care enough, and isn't good enough. And that's uh that's me at my most fucking controversial because I don't know, Marvel is an iron me, so I'll say it. I'm not I'm also not applying to work for Marvel, but like just Guys, come on. Do uh, better. Do better. Yeah, yeah. like Honestly, the hope Ant-Man. is that this writer's strike just makes people calm the fuck down yeah, and, a- and take a step back. A-
1: Ant- Ant-Man also.
0: Very bad movie. Have you seen
1: Ant-Man? They I have. It? it was
0: fine. There's there's bits in it I enjoyed. There's bits in it where it's like, that doesn't work. You're just doing too much. Just doing too much. The, the Marvel Universe worked perfectly when Kevin Feige was overseeing a film a year. Yeah. <laughs> Three TV seasons, two films a year. You can't keep up. And they won't want to. Like, you remember they fired, or they resigned, or she let go. Like, they, the person who was heading the visual effects department's left. And she's been in charge of them for 20 years. And, and it's like, oh, she dropped the ball. And it's like, did she drop the ball? Or did you quadruple her workload? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... Uh,
1: Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel was great, though.
0: The TV show. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed a lot of that, except for the fact that they somehow created a um, a That's global. That's Michael
1: Sullivan just uh, miming at us. Uh, he's uh, walking away to. He's another member of the bad guys. Right. Uh,
0: um, yeah, uh, Miss Marvel was really fun. The world was really lovely. I loved so much about those characters. We did not need a global threat. Mm. We needed her. Supporting in her neighbourhood and and making sure that the mosque was fine yeah. and, like, helping her grandfather, you got mugged or something. Her doing superheroic things at a neighbourhood level would have been such a fun, sweet, endearing show. And pe- people... Fo- like, government agencies coming to look for her because she's got superpowers was enough of a threat, enough of a thing of interest. The fact that we had global spanning issues immediately, like, again, we just... I love comics. I love sci-fi. I love Marvel. I want them to do great. Relax. Let them cook. Slow down. Ease into these things. Just take your time. Yeah. We're dealing with... We're dealing... One of the things I loved about or talked about is that, like, these characters that we're starting to see in movies now that they... I watched them introduce in an animated series seven to ten years ago. And I'm like, they know that the people that are watching this at five years old are gonna love them in the movie in 10 years time. And that's that's generational thinking. Mm-hmm. And if you can, like fucking, I'm sure it's an Aaron Sorkin line from a movie somewhere because he uses the same quotes over and over again, but it's like, you know, progress happens when old men plant trees they know they'll never see grow. And fucking think generationally with this shit and it'll be better. Yeah.
1: Okay, well. Is that enough? Yeah, um, thanks. Thank you for having me. Thanks for doing this. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Um, so we've talked about Oppenheimer, the bear, and Secret Invasion. Uh, Oppenheimer gets the thumbs up from me. Mm-hmm. Um, the bear gets... Big thumbs up? Big, big, big things up. Thumbs. Things, things up? Things up. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Secret Invasion... Fan of Carmy, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Secret Invasion gets an absolutely massive... <sighs> Flaccid... <laughs>
0: Yes. Uh, If you're in Edinburgh and want to see some improv comedy, come down to the Kildurkin at 10 o'clock. We're here all month.